With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 10th of August. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com. In association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, RTE Player. Whatever you're geo-blocked from, Liberty Shield will help you work around. It will also keep your, your data safe online. So check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPL. VPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do remember to download the Etsy app and look up the EPL Index Shop and the Anfield Index Shop for any of your football wants and needs. Plenty of good merch on both. Right, folks. Uh, quicker show today than normal, time constraints, things like that. We'll get straight into it. Lionel Messi has agreed the two-year contract with Paris Saint-Germain. Decision has been made. Decision is final. It appears like Barca made a last-ditch effort to try and keep him, but there was just no possible way to do it. It looked like, as well, there was a report that Diego Simeone personally contacted him to see if he would have interest in moving to Atletico Madrid. But again, the finances were just not something that Atleti could make work. So off to Paris Saint-Germain, Messi will go to link up with Neymar and Mbappe and Verratti and Paredes and his rival for the last 15 years, Sergio Ramos and Marquinhos and the rest of the star-studded team that Paris Saint-Germain have assembled while flagrantly disregarding all financial fair play rules, which they are now flagrantly being allowed to disregard even further to sign Messi uh, because they have the World Cup. Qatar has the World Cup, so they're being giving some some extra little bits of help to promote the World Cup that nobody wants and cares about. Uh, but Messi off to Paris Saint-Germain. You'd imagine he'll probably play 20 to 25 league games there and his focus will be on winning more Champions Leagues. 
that is the be-all and end-all for Lionel Messi at this point in his career. It's what he wants. It's what he cares about. His great rival Cristiano Ronaldo has won more than him. So that's not going to sit well. You would expect that PSG go into the new season now as the strong favourites to win the Champions League, having added a great goalkeeper in Donnarumma, a great right-back in Hakimi, a brilliant midfielder in Ginny Wijnaldum, and now the icing on the cake, Lionel Messi. There's a very strong 4-3-3 that they can put together if they go with Hakimi, Ramos, Kimpembe. I mean, Ramos isn't a great defender, but next to Kimpembe with Hakimi, there's one side of him. There'll be pace to cover for him. Left-back is a question mark. Not not quite sure yet what they'll do at left-back. Donnarumma will be in goal. We'll probably see Marquinhos play as a holding midfielder with Verratti and Wijnaldum. I think in some games we'll see Verratti, Paredes and Wijnaldum, um, which is a, a strong midfield as well. Similar in how it would function, I would guess, to how the Italian midfield functioned at the Euros. And then Messi, Mbappe and Neymar up front, which... If you're not terrified, you should be, because they are going to do things to your team that uh, in many countries would be deemed illegal. Um, Moving on, Manchester City unveiled Jack Grealish officially to their fans yesterday. I have to say, I don't want to take a dig at them. It was one of the cringiest things I've ever seen, and he looked mortified. There was about 50 people there. You couldn't hear them cheer over the music, and Grealish looked mortified. Um... I get what they were trying to do, but it it didn't work. It fell flat on its face. Bad planning, bad execution. Good news for City, though. Uh, John Stones has signed a new five-year contract to stay at the club. His contract was due to expire next summer, but he will now be tied to the Etihad until 2026. Stones has been an interesting one since joining City from Everton. They obviously paid the better part of £50 for him. And for the majority of his time there, it's looked like a poor move. Um, He's lost his place. The first season, he was okay. He lost his place in the second season, never really won it back. Uh, Became a squad player. Last summer, there was a lot of rumours he could leave. Last season, he was a lot better. He only played 22 games in the Premier League, but he did form a good partnership with Ruben Diaz. Uh, I still maintain that Diaz and Laporte would be a better partnership, both individually and collectively. But Stones is the one that plays alongside Diaz now. Probably that little bit more pace to cover for any Diaz errors when he steps out or or, you know goes to win a ball and doesn't quite get there. Um, £250,000 a week. a nice chunk of change for Mr. Stones. So keep getting them checks on. Congratulations on your new deal. Five years. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you say yes? Um, right. There's not a whole lot of other news today. Uh, Tammy Abraham stuff. We'll get into that with the gossip. Brighton have signed a Japanese midfielder and immediately sent him on loan. Um, Paris are Barcelona are doing lots of crying about Messi, even though it's entirely their own fault. Sergio Aguero's ruled out for 10 weeks. I think we spoke with that one yesterday. So there's not a whole bunch to to get to. Um, even the spoofer is running out of things to say. He's just continually trying to make out that he knows what's going on with Messi, that he knows what's going on with Lukaku. And he continues to be shown up that he doesn't know what's going on 
with either of them. Um, he announced that Lukaku would fly directly to London from Milan after his um, his medical, and he didn't. He flew to Monaco. So uh, the the Lukaku deal remains unfinished, but he's had part of his medical. He has basically said his goodbyes at Milan. He says he will he will come out and speak to the Inter fans in the next few days. So I think I think Lukaku's big for Chelsea. And and in saying that, what I wanted to have a look at was a tier list of the Premier League for the season ahead. Now basing this based on what we know now. Thought we'd put all... It's too early, I think, to do the predictions just yet. We'll wait till the transfer window's closed and we'll do a predicted Premier League table and, you know, predicted golden boot, predicted player of the year, etc., etc. Um, but for now, I thought I'd put them in tiers, go through them and, and just give some logic behind why I think they're there. So, to win the Premier League, that's the first tier I have. I have five tiers in total. One, to win the Premier League. Two, potentially get Champions League or challenge for Champions League. Three, challenge for Europa League or Europa Conference League. Four is meh. And what meh is, is I don't know what to make of you this season. And uh, tier five then is a potential trip to the championship coming up. So in the top tier, teams I think could win the Premier League this season. I've got three teams. I've got Manchester City, defending champions, just spent $100 million on Jack Grealish. Anything less than winning the league is seen as failure for them. So I think there's no question City will be a lot of people's favourites to win the title this year. And uh, they're absolutely in the top tier. Second of all is Liverpool. Champions from the season before. Last season, ruined by injuries. But now they get Van Dijk back, they get Matip back, they get Gomez back. They've got the best goalkeeper in the league, the best fullbacks in the league, and now the best centre-back unit in the league with Kanata added in on top of those three. They've got the best holding midfielder in the league in Fabinho as well. So this team is built on the defence. This team is built on the ability to not concede goals. That's where their strength has been through their run, winning the Champions League, winning the Premier League title. It was built on that defence. It was built on Van Dijk. He's back now. Things should improve massively back there from the mess we saw last season. They get year two of Thiago in the Premier League. The last 10 games of last season, he looked he looked absolutely fantastic. So I'm expecting a big season from him this year. They've got Naby Keita fit. Henderson will be back fit. They look like a team that is going to be strong. Now, they still need to add some players, but I still think even with the squad they have now, they're at least in the tier of teams that could win the Premier League. And the third team then is Chelsea. And Lukaku is a big part of that. I think Lukaku puts them right in that mix. We know that under Thomas Tuchel, they'll have a good defence. They've got individual flaws defensively, but the team unit is strong and works well. They've got quality in midfield, quality at wing-back, and quality in wide forward areas. One thing they were lacking was a number nine. Now, I was of the opinion that they could play Kai Havertz as the nine, but it looks like Lukaku will be the man and Havertz will play off him in some, some way, shape, or form. Those two, with one of Pulisic or Werner or Callum Hudson-Odoi, could be a lethal 3-0 up front. They've got a good manager. Chelsea will be in the mix. This isn't the end of their business either, but for now, with Lukaku, they're in that mix. They're the three teams I think can win the Premier League. I don't think anyone else has a realistic chance of winning the Premier League this season. 
There are three teams I think will challenge for the fourth Champions League spot because I think those top three are nailed on. The first team is Manchester United. Obviously, they finished second last season, but that was in part down to Liverpool falling apart, part down to Chelsea falling apart, and then Leicester obviously having their late season collapse. I don't think United were as good as the league table suggested last year. And when you look at the fact that they finished only five points ahead of Liverpool, considering the season Liverpool had, I think it tells quite a big story about that. Uh, Considering how far Liverpool had finished ahead of them the two previous seasons, over 30 points in both years. Um, But United have added Sancho. Now, he doesn't fill a need. He's just icing on the cake up front. They already had a quality attack. They bring in Varane. That fills a big need at centre-back next to Maguire. He's not the defender he was three years ago, but he's still very good, and his partnership with Maguire should fit well. I've always said Maguire reminds me of Steve Bruce. Varane reminds me of Gary Pallister. Gary Pallister's the most underrated centre-back of the Premier League era, certainly the most underrated English centre-back of all time. Even by United fans who prattle on about Rio Ferdinand being this and being that, Gary Pallister on a bad day was better than Rio Ferdinand. Other than Yapstam, Gary Pallister is the best Manchester United centre-back of the Premier League era. Ahead of Vidic, ahead of Rio. Um, And Varane, for me, can be Gary Pallister in this team. So I think that fixes the big problem in the defence. But they still have a big hole in midfield. And you still wouldn't be overly keen on Wan-Bissaka going forward at right-back. So they've work to do. But as things stand now, I think their ceiling is the challenge for Champions League. They've also got the issue of not having a particularly good manager. All the teams in the top tier have great managers. Pep is great. Klopp is great. Tuchel is great. Oli is not. Uh, Also in this group then, I've got Leicester City. Fifth the last two seasons. Should have gotten top four the last two seasons, but fell apart late in the year. They've done really well in the market so far. I like Ryan Bertram brought in for left-back depth. I like Pats and Daka brought in for a depth up front and then potentially a long-term successor for Vardy. And I really like Sumari in midfield. I think he's a quality addition. They got him for a bargain as well. He will add to that midfield unit that already includes Wilf and Didi, um, Yuri Thielemans, James Madison still there, Dennis Pryat's a good player. I like Chowdhury. I like N- N- Nampali's Mendy as squad players. So I think they've got a really good midfield unit. They've got decent defenders, good attackers. I think Leicester City will challenge again for top four. And the third team I put in there is Tottenham. Now, it is very strongly dependent on them keeping Harry Kane. But if you look at the squad, it's a top four caliber squad. They've got Galini now in to challenge Lloris in the goalkeeper position. So that should be an improvement there. Right back is a question mark. But Romero comes in and automatically is a huge upgrade at centre-back. We know Regulon is a quality left back. Hoysberg had a really good season last year. You'd expect more again this season. And Dumbele, hopefully we see more of him this season. They've also got Lacelso as an option there. They can play Winks there. You've got Sun in a wing, you've got Bergvine, you've got Mora, you've got the likes of Deli Ali can play off Harry Kane. So lots and lots of attacking options. Uh, and they're obviously in the mix for more with the approach for Latura Martinez and the addition of Brian Hill. But we'll wait and we'll see what they do. But for now, I think the ceiling on them is they can get top four. It would take some luck. It would take, I think, things to go wrong for United or Leicester. Or both, but I, I do think they've got the caliber of players. If Kane stays, if Kane repeats what he did last year, and if they're better defensively, which I think they will be with Romero, um, I, I think they can potentially get themselves back into the Champions League, especially if they make a couple more additions. 
So obviously, only one of those can get in. The other two would fall into the Europa League in this kind of exercise. I think there's four other teams that will challenge for Europa League or Europa Conference League. Arsenal, Aston Villa, Leeds and Everton. Arsenal have good attackers, mediocre defenders, mediocre goalkeeper and a mix in midfield of good and mediocre. Arteta doesn't yet seem to have a real way of playing. There's spells of three and four games here and there where Arsenal look like they're finding their feet. I don't like what they've done this summer. I really don't like the signing of Ben White for $50 million. Uh, I, If they sign Madison, that'll be a good addition. But Lukonga's a good squad player. Nuno's a good depth left back, but they haven't improved their starting 11 yet. And their starting 11 last season wasn't very good. So concerns for me there. Um, Villa... Even though they sold Grealish, I think they've gotten better. I would rather have Ings, Buendia and Bailey than just Jack Grealish. So I think Villa will improve. I think they'll kick on. Another season in the Premier League. A bit more experience from Matty Cash, who will expect more from this season. Ezri Konza, I expect him to build off a great season last year, where for me he was a top two centre-back in the league. I think we'll see more from Douglas Louise this year coming in off the high of winning the Olympics and playing a key role there. So I think Villa will be in the mix for Europa League or Europa Conference League. Leeds, again, look, it could be difficult. Second season syndrome is a real thing. We've seen it with other clubs, but they're very well run. They're very well managed. They've added Junior Firpo, who's an upgrade at left back. They've kept Harrison. They still need to do a bit more. But they should have Robin Cock and Diego Lorente back for this season, fit, ready to go. If those two can stay fit, they'll improve that defence quite a bit. So I expect Leeds, especially with Melier, another year older, another year of the Premier League, I think they take a step forward as well. And then Everton. And I'm largely banking on Rafa Benitez, Richarlison to kick on, and Calvert-Lewin to carry on the form of last season. I also think there's improvements to come from Ben Godfrey at centre-back, Mason Holgate in defence as well. Maybe Pickford brings the confidence of how he performed in the Euros into the Premier League, though his performance against Manchester United uh, in the recent friendly left a lot to be desired. But I think Everton have an outside chance of Europa Conference League. I think that's the ceiling for them, but I think they're in that mix with Villa, Leeds and Arsenal. I think that's where they have to aim to be. They're not aiming to be there. They're not being ambitious enough. The next group then is the meh group, where I, I don't really know what to do with them at the moment. Two... Two of them for different reasons to the third. The, the, the one I haven't, I have in this group, who I think should be in the group above, is West Ham. And the reason I have them in this group is because it's really, really difficult to do Europa League, Premier League without a really big squad. There's a reason Premier League teams have struggled in the Europa League if gone from the opening rounds all the way through. Look at Wolves when they did it, how much it hurt them to go early season Europa League all the way through. Look at Burnley when they did it. People will point to, you know, Chelsea winning it, United winning it. They were Champions League teams who fell into it. They weren't Europa League teams from day one. So I, I don't I don't think West Ham have the squad to cope with both. 
And I think while they're in the Europa League, it'll hurt their league form, which is why I have them in this group, which would be 11 to 13. Is it 12 to 14? No, it's 11 to 13. That's okay. It's 11 to 13. That's why I have them in this group. And the other two teams I have in here are Wolves and Newcastle. I think Steve Bruce will keep Newcastle up. I think there's enough quality in the squad that he'll keep them out of the relegation mix. Another season of Callum Wilson. They looked like they're going to get Joe Willock back. He was obviously very important for them last season. They had a lot of injury problems last year. The hope would be they've overcome them and will be better this season with regards to you know losing players for stretches of games. Uh, I think Newcastle should finish in this kind of mid-table boredom, but Mike Ashley will take that all day. And then the final team is Wolves. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty about Wolves. I really don't like the goalkeeper they've bought, Jose Sarr. I think that's a huge downgrade, even though Rui Patricio had fallen off. I still think it's a big, big downgrade. But I like the addition of Trinkio. I really like keeping Rene Nuri. They need to do something at centre-back, but I, I do like the makeup of the squad going forward. I like Jimenez. He hasn't quite looked himself, obviously, in pre-season. That'll take time, but I really do like Jimenez. I like Adama in a vacuum. I like him at Wolves. I wouldn't like him at my club. Um, they'll get Neto back. They they get Pedence back. He's very talented. I really like Ruben Neves. I really like uh, Den Donker. Jermatinho is very, very good. They've got the young player in Morgan gives white that should get more minutes this season. So there's talent there. They've also got, you know, good right back options in Semedo and um, Kiana Hoiver. Center back is the big issue with this team and now goalkeeper, but they're not going to buy another goalkeeper. If they can sort the center backs out, they can even get one good center back in. Um, it should help though. You know, if you're going to play a back four with Connor Cody, you're going to have problems. Wolves are the team out of these three, I think could end up in the next tier. And the next tier is teams that I think could be heading for the championship. But I will say at least one of them is only probably one or two signings away from potentially being in the Europa League group. That team, I think, is Brighton. I really like the makeup of the Brighton squad. But like last summer, I think they need a number nine. They now need a centre-back as well to replace Ben White. Ideally, they'll get a left back as well, and they look like they want Mark Cucurella from Hatafe, but we'll wait and we'll see on that one. They need that number nine. They need that goal scorer in. Odson Edward has been linked. He's perfect for them. He will get goals. He's at a contract, out of contract in 12 months, so he won't cost the sun, moon, and the stars. Go and get him. Go and find a good centre-back who fits in a three, preferably a left-footer, so you can play Webster on the right. So you've got Webster, Dunk, and this new signing. You go Lamptey and Cucurella. You've got Mwepo and Basuma in central midfield. And then you play McAllister and Trossard off Edward. And that's a really, really good team. That still leaves you with the likes of Mope, Modar, Carbonic, Byrne, Veltman. You know, good depth. So... If Brighton get the signings in, they'll jump out of this group for sure. But for now, while they don't have them, there is a possibility that the lack of goals and the potential for you know them to be left short again due to a lack of depth in defence cost them their spot in the Premier League. Uh, next team I have here is Crystal Palace. 
Love what they've done this summer. Love all the signings. Love and love uh, Joachim Anderson's tremendous. Really like Mark Wehi. Really like Michael Elise. Really like the signing Connor Gallagher on loan. They've done brilliantly in the trans market. I just think there's a big question mark over Vieira. So we'll wait and see how Vieira looks early in the season before we make a real judgment on him. But he's the big question mark. They've had a lot of churn in the squad. So you're looking at a lot of new players, a lot of young players, players coming up to the, from the championship that don't know the Premier League all that well as well. So that's a that's a big ask. You're going to have a new style of play. It's been absolute dreck there now for years. The likes of Warnock, Pulis, Big Sam, Hodgie. Horrible, horrible football to watch. But thus far, I like what, what I'm seeing from them. They've still got another move or two to make. Um, and if if Vieira is even an average manager, they should be fine. Because there'll definitely be three worse teams. It's just a matter of whether he's a worse manager. I have Burnley in this group. Because they haven't spent enough money yet. They've brought in Nathan Collins. But they still haven't addressed their lack of squad depth. Last summer they lost a lot of players and didn't replace them. They're failing Sean Dyche again this summer. They need to bring in probably a starting right back. And probably one starter in a wide area. And then they need to bring in some quality depth. They could do it a different option up front. More of a poacher, a goal scorer. But that does, like someone like Armstrong from Blackburn would have been ideal for them, but they're not even in for him. Um, they've got a good spine. Everybody thinks highly of Pope, Tarkovsky, me, Westwood, Cork, and Chris Wood. And then either Jay Rodriguez, Matthias Vidra, or um, um, Ashley Barnes next to him. That's fine. Dwight McNeil's very talented. Charlie Taylor, left back, very good. He's injury prone. The lack of depth behind him. Eric Peters isn't great. He's passed his best. Two right backs are both well into the 30s now. And while Josh Brownhill's a good player, he's not a right side midfield player and he looks out of place there. So they've got to fill in some areas in the starting team and they've got to add some more depth. If they do that, they'll be fine. Dyche will absolutely keep them up. But I do have some, some concerns that mid-season... Sean Dyche might get an offer and just decide to move on. If he does, Burnley are in big, big trouble. Um, I've got the three newly promoted teams here. Watford, Norwich, Brentford. I just don't think they've done enough yet. Now, Watford, I don't know enough about because they're the weirdest team in England. They've got a whole bunch of players, a mess of players. So for the, over the next week, I'll be kind of diving into that and into Brentford and getting to, a bit more familiar with the teams Trying to figure out a bit more about what they what they have, what they might need, who can play in the Premier League and who potentially can't. Um Norwich, I like the bones of the team. I think they've done really well with some of the signings. I really like uh Rashika. I, I do like Josh Sargent. Not if you're expecting him to score a ton of goals, but he leads the line really well. He works really hard, he'll run the channels, he'll take a lot of the pressure off Timu Puki. I can't for the life of me think of the Greek kid's name that they're looking to bring in, but he is the biggest talent in Greece, Greek football at the moment. He is the guy in the Greek, Greek Super League, Premier League, whatever it's called, the big talent there. So that would be quite the coup for Norwich if they can land him. Um, whether his arrival would mean Todd Cantwell going, I don't yet know. If it did, that would concern me a little bit. 
I think they need to keep Cantwell. I think they should keep Cantwell and play him as a 10. Um, with Rashika off one wing and then this Greek kid, if he's good enough, off the other. But um, I like I like Norwich's chances at the moment more than I like Watford or Brentford's. Um, and then the final team I've got in this group is Southampton. Because they've just lost Danny Ings. And while they have brought in some good young players, they don't have a backup at left back. They don't have a starting qual- quality goalkeeper. They've got two goalkeepers, and even Ralph Hassenhuttle doesn't know who the best keeper is, which means he's got no goalkeeper. They've only got three central midfielders in the books. You need at least four in this league if you're playing a two-man midfield. So that needs to be added to. In the line of two behind the front two, they need to add another one there as well. And they need to sort out their attack because at the moment their starting strikers are Che Adams and Theo Walcott. Now they look like they may get Armstrong in. If they do, they still need one in after him. They need, in my view at least four more signings and I don't think they've got the money to do it. So while I rate Ralph very, very highly and I love some of the players, I really, I love Salisu. I think he's tremendous. I really like Bednarak as well. I like Walker Peters. I think he's decent. Um, Livermento looks like he'll be a solid backup who could potentially take that spot in, in the next two years. The left back is decent. They brought in I like Diallo. I think he's got big, big promise. Romeo's all right. Ward-Prowse is decent. Very good set pieces. But in open play, in general play, he can be lacking at times. I like Jennipo, but he flatters to deceive a lot. Armstrong's a hard worker and a grafter, but he can be a little bit predictable. The other Armstrong they're looking to bring in has got big shoes to fill with with Danny Ings. And then Che Adams is, is quite inconsistent. So I think they've still got a lot of work to do. They lack depth. They lack quality. And under Ralph, they have had long periods of being utterly dreadful. So that's something they can't afford to have next season. They they just will not have enough breathing space to do that next season. So just to recap, five tiers, Premier League potential champions, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Champions League contenders, Man- Manchester United, Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur, Europa League, Europa Conference League contenders, Arsenal, Villa, Leeds and Everton, Meh, West Ham, Newcastle and Wolves, and then potential visitors to the Championship, Brighton, Palace, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Brentford and Southampton. Uh, We'll take a quick break and when we come back, we've just got the gossip and then we're out of here. See you in a few. Right, welcome back. So, just to gossip and then we're done for the day. Nice, short, concise show. Uh, Roma are closing in on a £34 million deal for Tammy Abraham as Chelsea look to offload the out-of-loan striker on a loan with an option to buy. This is weird because Chelsea would were adamant that they only wanted to sell when approached for loans earlier in the summer. Um, to loan them with an option to buy is weird considering Roma have no money, uh, It would. it's an odd move. It really is an odd move. Abraham is also being eyed by Arsenal and Atalanta. Atalanta would want him to replace Zabata, but Zabata hasn't yet left. So we'll wait and see if an offer comes from Inter for him and then from Atalanta for Tammy Abraham. Though if I was Inter, I'd be more inclined to just go and buy Tammy Abraham. 
Um, Paris Saint-Germain have ended their interest in Manchester United and France midfielder Paul Pogba. Wouldn't imagine there's any truth at all to that. Would imagine what they've done now is they've said to him, just wait a year and we'll sign you on a free. Just wait till January. We'll sign you to a pre-contract. Uh, Talksport saying Tammy Abraham has agreed terms with Arsenal, which is bizarre. Arsenal have no need for Tammy Abraham. They already are loaded up front. Loaded. They play one up front. They've got Aubameyang, Lacazette, Martinelli, Enketia, and Balogun. Five good options up there. Why would they need to buy a striker? Arsenal, the weirdest club in the league. The weirdest club in a very weird league. Um, Lyon have made an offer for Liverpool and Switzerland for Jerdan Shakiri. They have, but it's believed to be well below what Liverpool are asking. Liverpool want 12 to 13 million. The offer is believed to be about six. Uh, they'll probably find a middle ground. Maybe it's nine with some add-ons or whatever. But I do think they'll find some add-ons. I think that's the type of move that would suit Shakiri, And I think he'd do quite well in the French League. Manchester United are set to confirm the signing of Raphael Varane on Wednesday in time for the Frenchman to play in the Premier League game against Leeds. Um, well, he won't really have trained in a while, so that would be odd. But yeah, they, once they register him by 12 o'clock on Friday, they can play him on Saturday, so he should be all right. Liverpool are eyeing a move for Ren and Belgium winger Jeremy Doku. Now, Liverpool have had interest in him for many, many years. He is seen as a successor to Sadio Mane on the left wing. Very similar style of play, similar type of explosive athlete. I don't think Liverpool will go for him this summer because I think he's quite raw and needs more games. I think he'll get the games at Wren where he won't get them at Liverpool. But if Liverpool signed him, he would be an excellent signing for them. Roma manager Jose Mourinho is also keen on Arsenal and France striker Alexander Lacazette. Now, maybe they buy Lacazette and Arsenal buy Tammy. But... I'm still not sure where you're going. I, I would guess then that would mean they don't go for Madison and they just play Aubameyang off the left, which isn't great. He doesn't seem to enjoy playing that position at all. Leicester are keen on Manchester United midfielder Jesse Lingard if James Madison leaves the club. Um, He'd be a very Brendan Rodgers signing. So I'm going to go ahead and say that they won't sign him. Leicester also want to sign Schalke's 24-year-old, sorry, 21-year-old Turkish defender Ozan Kabak, who spent last season, or the latter half of last season, on loan with Liverpool and West Ham's French defender Issa Diop. Now, if West Ham are bringing in Milinkovic and Kaleta Carr or are looking to do so, it would make sense for them to bring in Issa Diop, or for them to sell Issa Diop and fund that money. Uh, Issa Diop would be a good fit, I think, at um, at Leicester. The way they like to play, quite high line, quite open. Issa Diop would be, would be very, very interesting there. Um... I think for Leicester, Diop might make more sense. Just given his age and that extra bit of Premier League experience, I think he might make more sense for them. Everton are interested in 
Newcastle United's English midfielder Sean Longstaff. That's from The Athletic. I would imagine that is true because Rafa Benitez has previously coached him. That is David Ornstein and Chris Waugh and James McNicholas all reporting uh, the story on Joe Willock. And in that, they mention Everton's interest in um, in Longstaff. Longstaff. Uh, Matty Longstaff, uh, Matty Longstaff uh, the brother, is expected to go out on loan, which would, you know, would make sense considering he got a new contract and barely got a look in last season. Bayern Munich are considering re-signing Frank Ribery. The 38-year-old French winger has been training with the club since leaving Fiorentina. I believe he still lives in uh, Bavaria. Um, It's a shame he left Fiorentina. I loved watching him there. I love Fiorentina's history in the kit and I just it's a beautiful club to, to follow. Um and Ribery was brilliant there, but yeah, he's left and I mean if he wants to keep playing, I'm sure he'll have offers. I don't know if Bayern makes much sense for him considering they already have a ton of wingers. Um you know they've got three two borderline world class wingers in Gnabry and Sane and Kingsley Combe is not far off. I think Alfonso Davies is a natural winger as well. So he can play there. Thomas Muller can play there. Musiala can play there. Ribery doesn't really make a ton of sense other than just the feel-good factor of having him around the club. And he might be a good, you know, a good part of the coaching staff he wants to be as well. Um, Tangai Ndombele is considering his future at Spurs. He probably should have done this a few months ago. Um, Charlie Eccleshare reported that he was fit and available for Saturday's game against Arsenal, but was simply not selected. Um, Nuno said he was not with us today. He is not injured, but we consider it not yet the moment for him to be part of the game. I'm not sure what that means. Um, I'm not sure there's any truth to the idea that he is weighing up his options. On 200 grand a week, having cost 55 million two years ago, he doesn't have many options. That's the the kind of bare fact of it. He doesn't have many options at the moment. Um, That is it. That's the last of the gossip. Quite enough day today. Uh, So we will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Thank you to Guy Drinko. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.